into Opportunity Detroit, brought to you by Rocket Mortgage. On today's show, you're going to meet the partner of a contemporary art gallery in Corktown, the CEO of Ancor Automotive, a tier one auto supplier operating in the Detroit area, and the co-founder of a tech company working to fight diabetes. A great show about what's happening in and around the D, coming up right after these messages. Welcome into Opportunity Detroit, brought to you by Rocket Mortgage. Bridget Finn, partner at Ray's Finn, a contemporary art gallery located at 1500 Trumbull in Corktown, is our first guest on this show. Bridget, thank you so much for joining us on Opportunity Detroit today. Thank you for having me. Thrilled to be here. You know, this really caught my eye. A contemporary art gallery in Corktown in Detroit. Wow, how cool is this? Talk a little bit about the art gallery, Bridget. Yes, thank you. Yes, so we are um, in Corktown, just diagonal from Old Tiger Stadium. Um, The building itself is kind of a 120-year-old bank building that's been converted into a space that is excellent for looking at artwork. Um, And we do about six shows a year that usually focus on contemporary artists, on living artists, that um, are some of them have a, a connection to Detroit, but it's not necessarily all programming, um, you know, artwork that is generated here. Sometimes it's kind of another thread that brings us to these artists. Um, and so this particular show was kind of a great way to check in post-pandemic um, to kind of take a really good read at what's you know, what's happening now in art studios around the city um, to see what people are making and to kind of bring that conversation into one centralized space. So the gallery has been in Detroit since 2018. How did you pick Corktown to have this, this gallery? Well, I mean, Corktown's such an incredible neighborhood, and I think that, uh, you know, I, I grew up going to Nemos. Um, that was one of the, you know, guiding factors when we thought about where we'd like to be. We wanted to be somewhere that um, people could park, that they could, you know, walk right in, that had, that felt a lot like, um, although we, you know, we love seeing all of the changes in Detroit, Corktown still kind of retains that feeling it's always had, right? Sure. Um, so for us, that was also very appealing. And frankly, artists love being in Corktown. I mean, we're huge Motor City Wine fans. There's so many uh, great places to kind of like entertain people over there. And um, yeah, it's just a beautiful very historic part of Detroit, and we're honored to be a part of that. So you opened in 2018. That's pre-pandemic. How was business at that time? And then how is business now post-pandemic? Yeah, wow. That is so interesting. Um, You know, it really, when we opened, I think there was such a great enthusiasm for things that were happening, just cultural happenings around the city. So we've always had 
a huge audience at our openings, and I would absolutely encourage people to come to one of them in the future. It's you know free and open to the public. We serve drinks. We um, talk about art. It's really a, just a nice social space. Um, so when in 2018, we opened with a big show that had, I mean, we probably had 500 people in attendance. It was one of the biggest. Um, and then when the pandemic happened, really, it was like skid to stop. Mm-hmm. Um, everything just sort of, we were actually doing an art fair in New York City on the day they declared the state of emergency. So oh. we really, I mean, it. we worked up until the moment it everything halted, and then we too paused. Um, and it was quiet for a couple of months. It was... Concerning. I would say very concerning. <laughs> I bet. Uh, we, just, we just didn't know. So we wrote out those couple months, and um, then we, we started something called Art Mile Detroit, which was sort of an online exhibition platform that had lots of programming um, and invited uh, as many spaces as we could cover that were in the city, art spaces, to participate by sort of having a digital exhibition. Um, and it seemed like a great way to, to share resources, to, you know, share to our respective clients kind of what's happening in and around Detroit now in the pandemic with art making. Um, and we actually ran that program twice over two years. That was clever. Yeah, it was, it was really satisfying. It was... Um, it was fun to see what everyone was was doing when we couldn't physically be present. Um, and then, you know, slowly things start, started to kind of normalize. Clients started to reach out and say, we'd love to make an appointment to come see you. Um, artists were back in their studios. So things started to warm up. Um, and I will say in terms of personal time, it was a really... We got, you know, having that kind of scheduled time with people where you make a plan to sit down for an hour and talk yes. is really um, something that I walked away feeling really lucky to have had during that time. Um, so that is, so it, it, it all worked out. It was, uh, it was a wild ride, but it all worked out. Now, the exhibit that you currently have underway is called get together. It goes through May 6th. You had an awful lot of people come to that opening back in February. Yes. We think we had about a thousand people in attendance. Um, It was so much fun. I'm so grateful to everyone who came and celebrated the artists and all of their work. And I think clearly when you look at the works in the show and of which there's 150 artworks, perhaps a couple more, um, you can really see that that the artists gave us work that really speaks to their practice. Um, They really covered topics from all all across the board. It's political, it's it's Tender, it's intimate. I think it is really the generous exhibition in terms of what the artist put forth. Um, and we're so happy to 
be able to facilitate that. Now, you have been involved in art all over the country. How does this compare to, let's say, a New York opening or a New York gallery? Yes, um, that's a great question. Well, it's definitely more fun. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I think, you know, Detroiters know how to have a good time. Yes. And, you know, it is... um, you you schedule things more here, right? You're you you have to make a plan to get in your car to drive That's to something true. to have that experience. And I think that when people come to our openings, they know they're going to see, um, you know, they're going to see an interesting show. They're going to meet new people that are also interested in sort of the creative uh, happenings around the city, and you know, they stay a while. And that's what we hope for. Um, We've been trying to run the openings a little bit longer, keeping them open three hours as opposed to two. And honestly, sometimes we're really we're flashing the lights, so it's time to go home, because everybody just wants to keep the party going, um, which we love. That is great. And I think it's really meaningful for the artists to, um, you know, dedicate themselves fully to to those connections to really um to really engaging with an audience so that is just wonderful for us so these artists they obviously come from detroit but also from other parts of the country too bridget finn well so so this particular show get together is 150 artists from metro detroit oh that's awesome so we sent out invitations to probably about 250 people and we um and about 150 people were able to participate which is amazing uh i don't know what we would have done if everyone had said yes in terms of space (laughs) um and this is really meant to be like a great snapshot of what's happening creatively in the visual world around the city right now Uh, Oftentimes, the artists that we work with, they may have a personal connection to Detroit. We work with a phenomenal artist. Her name is Lakila Brown. Um, Lakila went to Detroit Public School. She's been living in New York for about 10 years. Um, She's someone we work with very closely, and she'll have a show with us next fall. Um, James Benjamin Franklin is also someone we work with uh, at the gallery who's now based in Detroit, but is originally from San Bernardino. Um, So there are a lot of cross connections through Detroit, or um, sometimes we see work. Nikita Gale, for example, who's our next solo show at the gallery, opening June 3rd. Nikita's work has a lot to do with themes or topics that um, are, are particularly interesting in this city. So kind of the idea of artist versus performer, um, the politics around space and water, um, construction, development, all of these things in a way that I think is just so interesting. You know, someone can be making work on the other side of the country that really is so relevant here, um, and it, it sparks a dialogue, which is always our goal. You know, it sounds like there's a real thirst for the arts here in Detroit that I haven't seen in a very long time. Yeah, I would I would completely agree with that. I think that especially now, 
um, kind of coming out of this couple years of really, you know, introspection, I would, you know, think that absolutely, I think people want to get out there, see something, go to the museums, go to the galleries, you know, galleries, I always, galleries are usually always free, and you can just walk in. So if you're looking for something to do on a Saturday, it's the perfect activity. Um, We're actually open Tuesday through Saturday from noon to six. So we have lots of time um, where you can just walk in and strike up a conversation and learn about the art on the walls. And I think, yeah, there's definitely, definitely kind of a hunger for seeing what's going on here. Absolutely. How can people find out more about Ray's Finn? Yes, uh, through our website. That's a great way to find us. It's www.raysfin.com. And uh, we're also on social media. You can find us there. Um, and, and also 1500 Trumbull. Please come see us in person. Bridget Finn, partner at Raised Finn, a contemporary art gallery located, as Bridget said, at 1500 Trumbull in Corktown. Thank you so much for your time today. It was really nice talking to you. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. And you are listening to Opportunity Detroit, brought to you by Rocket Mortgage. We'll be back right after this. This is Opportunity Detroit. I'm Ann Thomas, and we now welcome Jose Flores. He is the CEO of Ancor Automotive. Jose, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Ann. Very exciting to be here. So, Jose, I want you to just tell our listeners a little bit about Ancor Automotive. So, Ancor Automotive uh, has been around in the Detroit area for more than 40 years. We're the leading tier one automotive supplier for data management solutions and and, and labels, automotive labels. And what exactly does that mean? Can you explain what what data management solutions, what does it mean to the industry and to the average driver? Yeah, that's a great question. Nobody, the the inside joke says that nobody thinks about the automotive labels until it's too late. (laughs) You're you're all hurry trying to build a car and then you finish building the car and you forget about the labels and without the labels you can't get or drive the, the car. So basically what we do is data management is a portion of connecting to different databases of the OEM supplier grab the real data as, he, as the car exits through the production line and then put it into a label because every single label is particularly um, pertaining to the vehicle. So that's the data management portion. And then we do all kinds of labels. For example, if you go to the dealership, you'll see on the window the, the window sticker or the Moroni label, which is the most popular one. And then you can see there all the components of the car, the price of the car, and how the car was built. Uh, we do the tire crit pressure label. If you open your door on the V pillar, you can see how much air do your tire needs as well. And the certificate of the vehicle, those are the more popular ones, but we do more than 40 uh, types of labels, either dynamic, which are the ones that are the data management portion of it, or the static ones that are the same label for every single car. Talk a little bit about doing business in this area, both 
in Detroit and in the Detroit area. How are things going? I think I think uh, things are going better. Obviously, the last couple of years were a little bit harsh because of the pandemic and, and the interaction and the way of doing business uh, behind the screen. It's kind of difficult for the business development people. But um, Detroit has been very well with us. As I said, we have been around for 40 years. This is the city that put the world on wheels. Um, so we, we do belong here in Detroit. And you also have a good relationship and an important relationship with Mish Auto. Let's let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so we're part of the Detroit Regional Chamber. I'm a member of Mish Auto as well. I'm, a, I'm also on the uh, advocacy committee for Mish Auto. So I'm part of the members of, the, of that committee that it's in charge of dealing and speaking with the lobbyists and, and the legislators for us to push the regulations that will help the automotive industry. So we uh, became members of Miss Auto two years ago, and we're very happy with it because there's there's a lot of networking with the fellow tier ones and and also the OEMs. It it, it it's it's a great community, great environment, and it has definitely helped our business. Can you talk a little bit about the changing automotive industry and the fact that? You know, we're moving toward electric vehicles. How will that impact Ancor Automotive, Jose Flores? So Ancor Automotive is actually trying to do different things to address that question. That we're doing an innovation hub uh, on 511. I think that companies talk about collaboration, ideas, but in these times, uh, that has been very difficult because of the pandemic and everything that I just mentioned. Also, on the attraction of the talent, like the new talent, the high-tech talent, traditional layouts don't don't foster um, that environment. New talent is looking for something that it's disruptive, dynamic, and flexible spaces. So we're trying to build this innovation hub that it's going to be a, a dynamic ecosystem with different mindsets, skill sets, and that I think that will accelerate the development and adoption of critical technologies that we need to know for this race towards digitalization and e-mobility because, as you said it, we're shifting towards e-mobility, but I don't think people right now has the, 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 the right technologies for us to master those, those those things, right? Yes. With regard to attracting talent to Detroit and the Detroit area, I would think that all of the interesting things, amazing things going on in Detroit would be appealing to young talent. What are you seeing? I agree. I agree. I people always say like we're trying to come back. We're we're coming back. People from the West says that. I I necessarily don't agree with that. When people normally tell me that, I I tell them like we're not coming back. We're back. Period. Right. <laughs> yes, that's a good way to put it. So I I do feel that Detroit has always been a flagship city or community and trendsetter, even. From the innovators, you have Thomas Alva Edison, which created the Edison bulb. You have Henry Ford, but also on other aspects. For example, we're the biggest exporter of cultural talent in the country. 
And we also graduate a lot of engineers. So I think we have always been the city that that, that disrupts and creates. And, and people forgot about that. People forgot about that. But uh, nowadays, with all the great things that we're doing, Michigan, um, the, the, the new Lab Central, the Book Repository, and us racing towards being the innovation, the, the biggest innovation hub in the country, I, I think people are starting to look at us back and say, like, that's right, Detroit. Detroit was the trendsetter. Detroit was the flagship city. So I, I think all the great things that all of us are doing as a community are definitely helping to bring and retain talent back to a city. That's a really good point, Jose Flores. As the CEO of a Tier 1 supplier, what kind of advice do you have for city officials, for officials in Metro Detroit, on what they can do to attract even more talent to this area? There's two advices that I, that I would give. One of them, it's basically the leadership style that people need to acquire or adopt nowadays. The, the old traditional leadership model doesn't work anymore, unfortunately. Gen Z's, millennials are, are, are looking for new types of leadership and something that I always tell my people, for example, it's the way I measure the success of the company, it's by KPI. And by KPI, I mean key performance indicators. I, I mean mm. keep people involved, keep people inspired, and keep people informed. Those, those are my three metrics that I always remind myself about to, to make sure we're trending towards the right direction because the leadership style that people need to adopt right now, it's more of a servant cheap leadership yes. than, than the old traditional model. And the second uh, advice that I would give is get with small, medium companies. There's a lot of there. They have great ideas. Get all of us in the same room to try to discuss the pain points and roll towards the same direction. And that's kind of, of what Mish Auto does. Mish Auto brings a lot of automotive people. We address our needs. We help each other, and, and, and we are aligned with the same vision. And I think that's very important. Right now, we want to be the next Silicon Valley. That's what people are saying. But do all of us know about that? Maybe some other people are rowing towards other directions. <laughs> so being aligned and change the leadership style, that, that will be my two advices. What's your take on whether employees should be in the workplace or working from home? I have always liked face-to-face interaction, and every people has different styles and different needs. I'm not forcing uh, my employees to come back to the office. Right now, we're three days a week, but I'm trying to bring them back to the office towards positive reinforcement. So I'm trying to build a sense of purpose for them to come to the office enjoy working, enjoying the interaction. And that's where the innovation hub uh, comes along as well. That's a co-working space that people will have fun, they'll work, they'll discuss, they'll brainstorm. I, I want them to come to the office. And that's the same old discussion about non-competes, for example, right? Right. I'm, I'm a non-believer of non-competes because if you have a, a, a person or an employee held here in your, in, in, in your office because of a paper, that, that doesn't work. You, you should let it go, honestly. Are you looking for young talent at this time? I'm, I'm sure your answer is going to be, and I'm always looking. 
<laughs> I'm always looking at uh, you just said it. it it's, it's difficult nowadays because you need to convince the, the talent to, to come and work with you. Uh, right now, we're actually with this innovation hub that we're opening on 511. We're increasing our organizational structure by 12%. Oh, wow. We're looking for young innovators, software developers that want to come and change the needle and be part of this big e-mobility race. Jose Flores, CEO of Ancor Automotive. Thank you so much for talking to us today and telling us a little bit about this incredible company that has been in business for 40 years. Congratulations. No, thanks, Sam. Great talking with you. It was really nice talking to you, too. You are listening to Opportunity Detroit. We'll be back right after this. listening to Opportunity Detroit, brought to you by Rocket Mortgage. I'm Ann Thomas, and I'm here now with Peter Tolson. He is the co-founder and CEO of Rewind. Welcome to the show, Peter. Thanks, Ann. Great to be here. I just want you to tell our listeners a little bit about Rewind. What is it? Yeah, of course. So Rewind uh, actually started based on a a mission that um, uh, really got going in Michigan. And our mission is to power communities to defeat type 2 diabetes. And I actually wanted to actually start in with a question for you. I don't know if you know or have people in your life who have been impacted by type 2 diabetes. I do. I think everyone does, Peter. They do. And and that's actually something, unfortunately, uh, that is increasingly true. And the other question I had is, uh, do you think that the people you know, or even do you know, or or before this conversation, that type 2 diabetes is a reversible disease? I think some people know that it is, and others do not. So that exactly is then our mission. And the company started, I'm actually here uh, today in California, but the company started uh, based in, in with our foundation in Michigan um, from the original work that came out of University of Michigan Health or Michigan Medicine, their health system. Mm. Um, and, and we have, we're fortunate to have some incredible uh, people like Desmond Howard and, and great Michigan athletes in the company. But one of the things we almost joke about sometimes is, you know, Michigan, University of Michigan is obviously known for sports and football, but they're truly a world-class academic healthcare system. Yes. And for a decade, they had developed, led by a, a great physician scientist, Dr. Amy Rothberg, a clinic um, that had delivered quite profound health outcomes for over a year. They had done rigorous research. Um, And one of those outcomes is actually the majority of people, not just a few, the majority of people who went through this program uh, in Dr. Rothberg's clinic were fully reversing this disease and and achieving other outcomes like going off of insulin, going off of drugs. And at the time, man, I actually didn't even know this was possible. We were just looking at the research. um, And as an entrepreneur, we saw that, I, I would guess, either problem or opportunity and really then locked in and said, look, this is a problem, and I want to put this scale into perspective. In Michigan alone, there are over a million people today with diagnosed type 2 diabetes. We Mm -hmm. really believe in in, in sports and communities, so I want to frame this. Between Ford Field, with 65,000, I believe, some some seats and fans, the big house with 107,000, 
and I, I believe, Ann, you're a, a Sparty, is that correct? Yes, go green. Okay, so let's add in Spartan Stadium. I think it's around 75,000. Those three football stadiums, you could fill four times. Jeez. All four stadiums, you could fill them four times. People in the state of Michigan who have diagnosed diabetes, you could fill them another 10 or 11 times with people in the state of Michigan who have prediabetes. So we hear statistics a lot, and I think they're easy to forget. But this is part of why, as a company, we really bet deeply on local markets. In Michigan, we're very proud, uh, starting with our partnership with University of Michigan Health, um, to scale the great work they had done. But I think that really kind of puts it in perspective in how big the problem is and, and how much diabetes is taken from our communities, taken from the state of Michigan, taken from uh, Detroit, Southeast Michigan. And so we really flip that and then say, can we uh, power communities through great clinical treatment, clinical care, which we can certainly talk about uh, more, and also then combining at the intersection of tapping into really things that connect to people like sports, like church, like community, um, to create a catalyst to to shift this awareness, shift this stigma, and then most importantly, give people the coaching and the structure and support as we've done now over the last two years uh, to defeat this this disease. Well, this is an interesting conversation, Peter Tolson, co-founder and CEO of Rewind, because Opportunity Detroit is a show about the community. And it mm. sounds to me like we've got a rather unwell community throughout Metro Detroit, Detroit, the state of Michigan, with this problem of diabetes. So first of all, explain to our listeners what exactly is type 2 diabetes. Yes. So so I, I will explain it. I'm not the doctor uh, sure. or the scientist, but I will explain it. Really, so so it's, a, it's an important and great question because there's a lot of misconceptions and stigma that exists around not just type 2 diabetes, but even really underlying this obesity and a lot of these obesity-related chronic diseases. So type 2 diabetes is, is really essentially at, at a point where the, um, where the body is, is no longer able to really manage uh, blood glucose. And what's happening, uh, what we would call mechanistically, is that at some point there is too much essentially fat tissue in, in the body and, and so there's these two kind of cycles. On one side, you'll see insulin resistance going up. On one side, insulin secretion or production going down. And, and I mentioned this kind of technicality because one of the uh, things that, that Dr. Rothberg and her team have demonstrated through research is when a program like ours can help people lose a sufficient amount of weight, and it's, it's not probably as big as people would think. It's not like 50%. It's really more in the 10 to 15% body weight reduction range and we provide the structure to not only lose that weight but keep it off what's happening the name of rewind actually came from our board member uh, bob rizza who used to be the, the chair of endocrinology at mayo clinic mm. and what's happening is the body is actually um, really able to correct the underlying physiology as fat loss happens and go back to a healthier metabolic state and so this is part of why then people go off medications because we're really able to get them back to a healthier physiological state. Does that make sense? Yes, it really does. Why do you think so many people in Detroit, Metro Detroit, state of Michigan, have diabetes, Peter? 
Well, it's a complicated question. And I think what's important, again, is to dispel a lot of the myths. Many people believe this is a a willpower problem at an individual level. So many, many people who battle obesity and battle diabetes have been told by people around them that it's, you know, I'm, I'm too lazy or I'm not disciplined enough. And this is absolutely not true. Certainly there is a component about habits and day-to-day behavior, and we coach and help our members do that. But a lot of it comes down to uh, biology on one side, and so some people even genetically are more predisposed uh, to develop obesity and develop diabetes at no fault of theirs. And on the other side, there's a big environment and cultural component to that. And, and so particularly, you're, you'll, you'll see this present in areas, uh, you know, this hits hardest um, in, in, in the Midwest, in the South, where people might have less access to, you know, the right types uh, of food or just being an environment that is not conducive um, to being as healthy as they would want to be. So I think most importantly is that it, it is not a product of people's willpower or their lack of discipline. Um, and so what we then try to do and what we do is provide the, the guidance, the structure from doctors, from dietitians, even from kind of peers and mentors, even people like Desmond Howard, uh, who come and can kind of inspire and support to go through the, the type of program and go through and develop the habits and get the tools you need to defeat that. So the more you talk, the more I understand the reasoning behind the name Rewind. So yes. let's talk a little bit more about Rewind. If someone has type 2 diabetes, how do they get involved with Rewind? Or is this something where Rewind comes to companies and helps large numbers of employees over time? Well, it, it can be both. But the exciting thing for us, and really the, the reason that we built our collaboration and partnership with our, our founding clinical partner, University of Michigan Health or Michigan Medicine, was because we sat down with both Dr. Amy Rothberg and the leadership uh, of the health system and said, we have an opportunity here to do really two things. Number one is we wanted to scale access uh, and even awareness of the fact that it's possible to really do something about diabetes and not feel resigned um, to doing this. But access is a, is a crucial part of that. And, you know, Michigan Medicine had set the foundation. And so we have come in as their partner to help scale that access. And so what's exciting, actually, is anyone right now could go on our site, uh, teamrewind.com, um, and both learn more about our program and also tar- st- start to take those first steps. One of the, the mantras from one of our members, uh, Kevin, in our program, who lives in Michigan, is about kind of walking through that door, taking that first step. And so the beauty is uh, we're covered by most major insurance. Um, and so most people in the state of Michigan, not only actually who have diagnosed type 2 diabetes, but if you're struggling with, with prediabetes or hypertension, high blood pressure, um, we can we have the capacity and, and people can get started directly and our coaches and our team are available to do uh, calls at no cost to explain how our program works and understand somebody's health history. And so that really was the objective. And we're very proud, even just in the last year, to have already started to scale that access. We have people joining not only in Ann Arbor, but in in Detroit, Traverse City, all across the state. Um, And then we really focus on that long-term engagement. 
this is about not just, you know, we don't need more kind of tricks and, and, and hacks and gimmicky things to help people lose weight in a couple of weeks. Uh, our program does work very fast. Most people within 12 weeks have actually lost 15% of their body weight. Wow. And if they have type 2 diabetes, in many cases, reversed. But we focus in on the long term. How do we help you keep the weight off? How do we help you keep the medications off, keep the disease in remission? Because that's really what matters to our communities. Uh, so if you look at Detroit and look at this public health problem, uh, we frame that in a long-term basis on, on how do we really start to achieve a goal, which is very ambitious and profound, like filling stadiums with people defeating the disease rather than with, than with people who are getting diagnosed with it. Peter Tolson, co-founder and CEO of Rewind. Tell our listeners again how they can find out more about your company. Yeah, so they can go uh, directly to www.teamrewind.com. And on that page, we have more information as well as a Get Started uh, button. And, and I want to make kind of a, a quick call out, not only to people who might want to be interested or, or join this program, if they have health conditions, but as we talked about, we're almost more of like a grassroots type movement. And so, again, we've, we're very proud to be partnering both with University of Michigan Health and uh, many really iconic people uh, from sports and other communities. And Detroit is really increasingly a focus for us um, specifically. And so, you know, church organizations, local businesses, even just people like yourself who uh, have influence um, and care about this problem. Absolutely. We're always looking for more ways to partner and kind of meet people literally and figuratively where they are. And so even if someone is hearing this as a, as a business or an individual in the community or a leader who wants to be a part of this, we always welcome that. We, I know, and you have a lot of entrepreneurs Yes, we um, do, especially on, on, this on show. Uh, the show. And one of the things we really care about is not kind of being the typical uh, Silicon Valley startup often from from out here that I've seen where it's kind of we, we helicopter in with our solution. Uh, we really view ourselves as, as you know, the, we're distributed geographically across the country. But Michigan is where we started and we love to partner locally um, and, and really build the company from the ground up in that way. Peter Tolson, co-founder and CEO of Rewind. Thanks so much for the time. Thanks, Ann. And I'm Ann Thomas. Thank you for listening to Opportunity Detroit. Enjoy the rest of your weekend.